Good morning. Y'all are in the dark over on that side. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father God, you are so good. We just give you thanks and praise. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me today, that only your truth would come forth, that uh, anything that I may say that in any way gets in the way of that, Lord, that you would uh, just immediately wipe it from people's memories. That all they would take from this place is your truth, your words, your righteousness. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you can see from our title slide up there, we are uh, talking about hope in the book of Mark. And so as I have been sort of pondering messages for this sermon, I've been thinking about hope a fair amount. And uh, one, there's an old hymn that's kind of been rolling through my head, I guess, as it relates to this. It's come up in a variety of settings um, recently. It's also part of a current song. Uh, the, the old song, the old hymn is called The Solid Rock. The current song is a song called Cornerstone. And, uh, but they, Cornerstone has sort of borrowed the verses from the solid rock and um, appropriated them in a new way. And so what's been running through my head is the first verse of that old hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Now, a question came up yesterday about what in the world does the sweetest frame mean? So I actually looked this up, and it actually comes from Psalm 103, verse 14, where that word frame is used in that, in that particular psalm. And it's a Hebrew word named yatsar. And really what it means, it's, it's sort of referring to our inner being or our infrastructure, Right? So really what that's saying is, I don't, tr I don't dare trust myself, you know, even the best version of myself. But trust in Jesus is who I should place my trust in. So, as just said, the first stanza of this particular hymn ends with this idea that we really can't trust ourselves, or that that's not a, I'm saying we can't, but that's not a great place to place our trust that it's about trusting in the name of Jesus, right? And, and so, just in kind of continuing to think about that, it occurred to me that one of the names the Bible calls Jesus is the Word, right? That's what John, right at the beginning of John's Gospel, he talks about, and the Word was made flesh. And so Jesus is referred to as the Word. So you could really rephrase the last line of the hymn as, but wholly trust in the Word of God. I think it says, 
something very similar, if not exactly the same. And so given that, kind of the connection between what this hymn is saying and then what we're, the, the connection we're drawing between Jesus and the Word of God, I think it's fair to say, and I think biblically accurate, that you can equate Jesus, the Word, with hope. That, that, that Jesus is our hope. And that the Word of God is our hope. So, with those, all those little connections kind of running around through your mind, I want to look at today's text, which, uh, as you might have guessed, is from Mark. Imagine that. But it's chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. So Mark 4, 1 through 20. We will have it up here on the, uh, the screens. So, beginning in verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a, cop, a crop some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, well, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and once receive it, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So, probably a parable that you've heard, if you've been around church, this, any, any length of time, you've probably heard this parable a number of times or read it. And normally it really refers to getting the word of God into someone and what that word produces. 
right? But in this case, I want to I want to um, focus specifically on this idea of hope. Okay, so Jesus is think of it this way: Jesus is explaining to his listeners the soil conditions in which hope can flourish. All right. So what are those? What are those conditions in which hope can really flourish? So we're going to unpack that a little bit now. So in the first place, hope can't flourish in soil that's hardened. Right? And so in Galilee, in Jerusalem, in, the, in that area, in these times, there were pathways that ran next to the fields. So you would, there would be a field and then pathways so that people could walk along or in between the fields without trampling on the crops. And so these paths naturally got all packed down. They were just very, very hard-packed earth. And, uh, and the thing is that at this time, unlike the way farmers operate today, in these times, farmers sowed the seed first and plowed afterwards. Okay? They didn't plow the fields and then sow the seed, which is, I think, what most farming techniques uh, use today. So seeds falling on this hard-packed earth, and nothing really happens. And so this is really equated to um, people that just never, they hear the gospel, but they never think to question their response to it. Right? There's nothing... That, that seems to connect with their heart. These, peop these are people that may have no desire for anything else in life other than what they have. They probably don't have any guilt of sin of any kind, which would then mean that they probably don't believe they have any need for forgiveness. So the effect of all of this is that they essentially have no response, right? There's no interest in it. There's no receptivity to it. Um, and so the gospel, very much like this hard, the seed on this hard-packed earth, has no opportunity to sink in. It just sits there. And, you know, whether birds come and get it or it gets blown away uh, or washed away, as Don and I were talking about grass seed a, a few minutes ago, spray it, you know, with the hose on full throttle, grass seed's going to just go by. Um, there's no chance for it to really sink in and do what it's supposed to do. Now, this idea of Satan coming and snatching the seed, you think, well, how does that work? Well, I think what happens is Satan just comes and replaces what's there with the seed with some other frivolous subject that has some greater interest. Now, could also be someone who just kind of recklessly opens their hearts and their minds to everything, all kinds of people, all kinds of influences, just one of those folks that are, are really not moored to anything, but just kind of go here and there and everywhere, wherever the wind might blow. And so as it relates to hope, have you allowed the soil your own soil, to get packed down and hardened such that hope has no chance of growing in you. 
Hope also can't flourish in soil that's rocky. Now, a couple of interpretations that are possible for this. This could refer to soil that has a lot of rocks in it. Okay, and so I, that's something I'm very familiar with. <laughs> the piece of land that, that we inhabit. Uh, it's a lot of rocks in this soil, and so you constantly finding stuff and throwing them, throwing them back into the woods. But that's probably not exactly what, was, what, what Jesus was referring to in this parable because the, a lot of the land that you find in Galilee and in that whole area has a layer of like limestone that is right underneath the surface. It's like you know, two, three, four inches underneath the surface. And so what happens is if you plant something, and of course, I don't, you know, I'm sure their methods of tilling were pretty rudimentary, and so it would grow, but it would basically hit a floor, right? It would only grow but so far, and the roots had no place to go because they couldn't penetrate the rock. And so there isn't enough soil there that really allows the plants to sprout, um, well, there is enough soil that allows them to sprout, but not enough for them to really mature. In other words, to develop a root system that allows for the plant to be sustained. So what Jesus is saying is that these are people who, they receive the good news because it just sounds really good, right? It offers a lot of promise. And so they might pursue it a little. It might grow a little, you know, they might grow a little bit and maybe even, you know, demonstrate or show some promise of growing a little bit more, of maturing. But they don't allow God's truth to really work its way in and end up making a difference in their lives. So what happens is when some form of sorrow or trouble or persecution comes along, they just decide not to believe and abandon the faith that uh, has just begun to grow. Sort of interesting that Judaism valued heroes in its past that had overcome adversity, heroes that had refused to compromise no matter what happened. And so I'm, I'm kind of wondering, are the disciples who have that in their background, are they hearing this and, and it, is it starting to make them a little bit uncomfortable? Right? This idea, oh gosh, you, know, you, mean, you mean there could be bad stuff that happens? So the question as well would be, does it make you uncomfortable? Have you allowed your own soil to get shallow such that any chance that hope might have to grow in you can't be sustained any longer? Hope can't flourish in soil that's thorny. See, the thorns rob these little sprouts that are starting to pop up of all kinds of nutrition, water, light, the room to grow, space. So they may start to grow, start to get going a little bit, but there's so much competition for all of these nutrients that um, the good seed eventually dies out. I mean, weeds are very hardy things, as any of you probably know. If you've ever tried to get rid of them, <laughs> it takes all kinds of effort to do that. So what Jesus is referring to here is these are people who get so encumbered with the basic enticements of the world. Maybe people feel they could be self-sufficient because they have money. 
Maybe it's people who have just packed their daily routine with so much activity it doesn't leave room for anything else. Maybe it's people whose primary focus is just simply on acquiring stuff. It's the case here that other things draw off so much of one's attention, absorb so much of one's interest, and use up so much of one's time that only the dregs of each remain. There's nothing left. And so people who are in this category are intentionally choosing the master that they are going to serve. And so in this area, have you allowed some thorns to grow up and thrive such that any hope that you might have has been crowded out and rendered unfruitful? And of course, finally, hope can flourish in soil that's good. And so it's in this instance that the seed is allowed to do what seed is supposed to do, and that's be productive. Now, it's pretty interesting the term that Jesus uses here, or the, the, the um, I guess, the description of, of how good the seed is. Typically, if you were in that time period, if you had a, a uh, harvest that produced 10 times the amount of seed that you planted, that was considered good. If you had a harvest that returned 30 times as much seed as you planted, that was considered plentiful. 60 times would be a bumper crop, and 100 times is really almost miraculous. And so what Jesus is saying here is that it's not enough to simply hear the word, it has to be accepted. Which in this instance means openly taking it in. See, you, you listen, or you read, and then you ponder, and then you understand, and then you take it to heart. And then, once it's there, you allow it to transform your life. A life that is genuinely Christian will bear fruit. That's what Jesus is saying. Is the seed of hope producing a large return of hope in your life? Well, after 22 years of mowing weeds and crabgrass in my own yard, I finally decided this year to get serious about having a lawn. So I made an appointment with Lawn Doctor to come out and you know, just kind of give me an estimate for what they would charge to make it look like I really did have a lawn. Um, so this very nice woman comes out. I think she was the franchisee, uh, the franchise owner in, in up in the Ashland area. So she came over and uh, we walked around the yard and she was telling me you know, things about what they provide, what kind of services, and so forth. Um, and there were two things that she said that really stood out to me. And I think there are two things that are relevant to our discussion today about soil and seed, and ultimately hope. The first thing she said was about the soil. 
Now, I had really not thought about this, but she told me that the soil makeup that, that is in our yard at this moment is ideal for growing a forest, but not a lawn. That kind of makes sense. It was a forest, right? And, you know, trees have been cut down and, and over time. But the soil, I don't think, has, was never really kind of dealt with. But the good news is she said that you can work with it and you can change it through the addition of nutrients and, um, you know, the soil pH and all those kinds of things. You can change it from what it is now, which is ideal for growing trees, <laughs> to what I'm hoping for it to be, which is something that's ideal for growing grass. And so she mentioned that this is a process. But I'm pretty sure that if I went through all of this and then I did nothing to the yard for several years, just kind of let it sit, took just the barest care of it, my guess is that over time it would probably revert back to being forest soil again. Because there's a lot of trees where I live, right? The grass is kind of just like carved out in you know, these little pockets. But there's trees everywhere. And my point here is that if you lack hope, perhaps you should examine the soil you're trying to plant it in. Because what may have been really good soil at one time can change. Through neglect, through all of the other things that Jesus is talking about here. And perhaps it's even reverted back to something that it was before you found Jesus. So if you're struggling with hope, with getting hope to grow, perhaps you need to examine the soil. The second thing that stood out was their method of seeding. Now, Lawn Doctor has this really cool machine, and it's got a great name. It's called the Turf Tamer Power Seeder. And that, sound, that just sounds awesome talking about it. Power Seeder. And the cool thing about it is that it actually injects the seed underneath the surface of the ground. So it, it sort of, I guess in a manner of speaking, it almost sort of tills the ground a little bit, but then pushes the seed underneath. And obviously that gives it a better opportunity to grow. And it's not just slightly better. So for example, what she told me was, and of course I'm sure some of this is lawn doctor propaganda, but take it with a grain of salt. I got to believe that uh, some measure of it is probably true. But she said that if you just throw seeds on the ground, that it typically has a germination rate of about 10%. And I think there's some truth to that. And I can also tell you for a fact that seeding in that way can also develop very shallow roots 
and as soon as the summer sun hits it, it just goes poof. Um, but with their power seeding process, it's supposed to generate results of 90%. I will report back in a month, <laughs> let you know how that's going. So far, I'm not seeing a whole lot, but it's not even been a week yet, so there's still time. But the point I'm making here is that if you are lacking hope, maybe what you should be looking at is your own seeding process. What are you doing to get the word of God, the seed of hope, deep within the recesses of your being? Are you spending any time at, in the Bible at all? Or maybe are you just reading a few verses each day in order to check a box on your to-do list and then you move on to the next item? Or are you reading and meditating and then trying to apply it to your life in such a way that it gets injected deep within your soil where hope can actually germinate and grow? So I think what this parable teaches us is that each one of us controls the amount of hope in our life. You control the condition of the soil and you control how thoroughly the soil is seeded. And what I would tell you is, is that if you are hopeless there's a good chance that you are wordless. Let's pray. Lord God, we are thankful that your word is one of hope that Jesus brings, a, brings hope. And Father, if we are suffering from any kind of a hopelessness, Lord, let us take it to heart and do something about it. To get into to your word, to reading your word, to doing what we need to do to get your word embedded deeply within us. For it is there that it has the opportunity to grow and to develop and to produce the kind of hope that will carry us through all of the things that we come up against in our lives. Father, there is just no end to the number of things that cause us to feel hopeless these days. But what Jesus tells us is that we have no excuse for feeling hopeless. That if, as we continue to try and get your word, the living word of Jesus, into us, then hope rises. And it doesn't matter what the world throws at us. 
hope is still there. So we thank you for that hope, Lord. And we thank you as well for the sacrament of Holy Communion that we are about to celebrate. Because now we recall that on the night that you were to be betrayed, you took the bread and you gave thanks for it and you broke it. And you gave that to your disciples. And you said, take this and eat, all of you. This is my body given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you took the cup and again thanked our Father. And this cup you then took and you gave to your disciples as well and you said, you said take this all of you and drink for this is the cup of my blood the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. Blood that was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. Lord God, I just praise you. Give you all thanks and praise, all honor and glory. And ask that you would now make this to be for us, this meal of bread and of juice, that you would make it to be for us your body and your blood. And we ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The body of Jesus, give it for you. In the blood of Jesus, shed for you. Father, we just pray this meal nourishes us and strengthens us spiritually so that we are able to go out into this world not just seeking hope for ourselves but actually being hope for others of spreading your hope to those that are so very much in need of it. So empower us in this way, Lord. Give us the words of encouragement and hope to say to those who seem to think that this world has more to offer than you do. We just praise you, Father. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Chip, would you come?
Amen. We're going to move into our ministry time. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Just kind of get into a place of worship. We're becoming a church that is prayer-centered and prayer-focused, so we're just going to wait for a moment. And I encourage you, we're going to actually take a moment, if the Lord gives you a word or if you have a testimony, short testimony, (laughs) amen. Blessed are the short-winded, for they will be asked to speak again. <laughs> but uh, if you have a prayer or a testimony or, or God speaks something to you, we're just going to take a moment and wait on the Lord. And I encourage you just to come up and share that and, and it, just take a risk, take a chance. You don't know whose life. You could literally be the answer to a prayer of somebody else's, something they need to hear, something they've been praying about. So let's take a moment, listen, and if you feel something, just feel free to walk up. speak. Anything you want to speak, Lord, we're listening. We're listening, Lord. I know that this week I got a word and I already told John and you said it could apply to Harry, so we'll pray for that about somebody's hip I don't know if it's someone here watch it online a hip issue um, we're going to pray for that Lord whoever has that hip issue God would you just touch it and heal it right now in Jesus name completely Lord in fact Father any person in this room or watching online whatever the ailment whatever the condition right now in Jesus name we command any pain any illness to go Lord we believe you for mass miracles we believe you can do that God and we join our faith together Lord for anybody who's hopeless Lord we ask that you would fill them with your hope fill them with your peace Father if there's anyone who's strayed from you that needs to come to you Lord would you just draw their hearts right now Just draw their hearts back to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we declare as a church that we are walking into a new season and a better season, a season of prayer, a season of power, a season of presence, a season of intimacy, Lord, thank you for every person who came out today. Thank you for every person who's watching online. Lord, bind us together in unity. 
so we can serve you faithfully. We ask that in Jesus' name. Everybody who agrees says amen. Amen. And as you leave, I guess, uh, John and Andre and Pastor Jeff and I, just, if you need prayer, we'll be around. We'll pray for anything. But if not, you're welcome to leave. You're welcome to stay in the presence. It's, it's your choice. You're adults.